Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke, founder and CEO of Practice Quotient, PPO analysis and negotiation. Also, continuing education speaker that goes all around the country and talks about fun topics like your money and dental insurance and different finance vehicles. Um, so shout out to SOMSA, Amos, and uh, the various study clubs that uh, I've been in recently. If you'd like a speaker kit, please check it out at patrickorourke.me. And with me today, honored to have all the way from Jackson, Mississippi, Todd Gooden. How are you, Todd? And I'm good, Patrick. Thanks for having us. It is my pleasure. And Todd is the president and CEO of The Solutions Team, not to be confused with any other solutions teams, and they're the all-encompassing IT solutions team. And so I'm going to let you articulate what parts and segments that you cover within the IT sphere. Thank you. Uh, basically, Patrick, we are an IT services organization. So uh, there's, you know, people that write software. Those are often called software developers. There's folks that manufacture IT technology. We, we don't grow the apples. We pick the apples. So for our customers, we come in as the experts, similar to hiring a CPA firm or a law firm to help you with your business. Organizations bring us in to help from a IT perspective to help consult and guide them and then service the technology that they're using inside their organizations, mainly around healthcare. We've been doing, we've been very focused. We started the company in 2007. Uh, this is my third rodeo, as I like to say. I've owned two other technology companies and sold both of those and then uh, started this company in 2007. Uh, Hurricane Katrina had hit Mississippi and we've seen the devastation a natural disaster could have. So uh, that happened in 2004. And then we start. We sold the business we had then in 2006 and started this company in 2007. And our focus was to offer businesses data protection because we've seen after Katrina what happens when a business loses their critical data. Uh, they don't have access to accounting information, to um, employee information, to client information, all of that stuff. And so my vision for starting the company was to say, hey, we've, we, there should be something we could do to help businesses to protect their critical data. So when I sold the business in 2006, I had a time that I had to work for the new owner, started this company in 2007, and that was our focus was data protection. In 2010, uh, we started uh, working with ambulatory care, which is was a new, new, uh, a new term I'd never heard. Um, uh, you have health care, and then there's segments in health care, and ambulatory care is basically yes. your – OBGYN, your orthopedic, uh, your urgent cares, those type things. And then that has led to now, over the last three years, become a dominant player in the specialty dental space. Specialty dental. So that's where Todd and I met was in NOLA, New Orleans, to those of you unfamiliar with Louisiana, um, at the Amos Annual Conference. And uh, we just got to talking and I was very impressed with the kind of breadth of knowledge and the certain, some of the questions that you were asking me. Um, and one of the things that I learned was that a lot of times your IT solutions company is part of what their revenue vehicles are, unbeknownst to the client, and certainly was unbeknownst to me. 
was that they are, you know, they want to sell you their equipment. Correct. And so uh, can you kind of expand on that? Like, I, I guess I'm perhaps I'm neutral on it, but um, when I learned this, I just felt like I should have been told. And so maybe it's something that our listeners out there who are, a lot of them are practice owners. They don't know too. So, right. So the, the business that we sold in 2006 was what uh, our industry or the technology industry would call a VAR or value added reseller. Um, and that business was so different than the solutions team in the sense that we sold equipment, we sold computers, we sold servers, we sold switches and firewalls and all that stuff. And what I learned was that when an IT company sells equipment uh, that most business owners don't realize is you have to sign up with Dell or Cisco or these big companies and you effectively are signing an agreement to sell a certain amount of their equipment for me in the previous life was anywhere from a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars a year in equipment to be an authorized Cisco or an authorized Dell partner to get those discounts. And the conflict of interest for me as a business owner at the time was you would get in the fourth quarter and you were twenty five percent short of what your number was to continue that partnership. You'd committed a hundred grand to Dell, you're at seventy five grand. I gotta make up that other twenty five grand because I've got big orders that are coming out the first of the year. And if I lose my authorization, then effectively now I can't fulfill those orders. And so you would find yourself scouring your customer base, trying to figure out, oh, Patrick, you got some equipment in your business that probably would last another year, but I'm going to, as your IT company, I'm going to tell you, you need to replace that equipment so I can make up that 25% that I'm short. So when we started this company, I said, we're not going to get into the, into the equipment sales side of it. And what most business organizations today will say to us, oh, well, I buy my computers and my laptops and my network and technology from my IT company, and they just do it as a pass-through. Uh, and I just chuckle at that, Patrick, because I'm like, nobody is carrying a $25,000 debt, you know, alone or whatever you want to call it, because they're paying for that equipment up front. They're not doing it for free. If they are, they're a horrible business person. So if they're telling you they're doing that as a pass-through, odds are they're not. And if they are, don't worry. They won't be around for you to make orders from in the future because for long they'll, they'll go out of business. So, yes, we've chosen not to sell the equipment. Equipment's a commodity. And if your IT company is out there and they're telling you they're doing it as a pass-through and they're not really making money, I would question their integrity at that point because I just don't believe that. Yeah, I think that, that that's where I have – if I ask a direct question – Mm-hmm. Right. Business owner to business owner. Right. I like a direct answer. It does, you know, everybody has to make money, man. Right. I get it. But, um, I'm okay with people that are my vendors making, I want you to make money because I want you to be here a year, two, three down the road. As we like to say, you know, here in the South, uh, you can shear a, a sheep a bunch of times, but you can only skin him once. I just don't want you to skin me as the business owner. I, I want you to make profit <laughs> every time we do business, but just don't make all the profit. All right. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Southern saying. Um, you know, being from Florida, I, I I like learning more Southern culture sayings, I, and I use them frequently. Like the I, the pigs, uh, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Probably my my favorite one I've been using lately. Um, <clears throat> shout out to all my friends and some of the insurance companies on that. Um, always remember that one. <laughs> um, so, so you know, it's. The, you know, and not to harp on integrity or, you know, or ethics again, it's 
also being in the South, the one thing that I, I learned is that people like doing business with folks that they can look in the eyeball. And to me, whether I look you in the eyeball or not, I still, if I ask you a direct question, like I just want to answer, right? So outside of not uh, making me buy uh, equipment I don't need because of, you know, your own motives, what else would you be bringing to me, the business owner or the oral surgery practice or the dental practice? So, you know, there's uh today you, you hear people say, Patrick, oh, I want to be an industry disruptor, right? So Uber, as an example, was an industry disruptor for the cab business. Thank God, right? Yeah. Uh, cabs, cabs so uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Grubhub and some of these companies have been a, a – uh, an industry disruptor for restaurants. But to me at the same time, I think food trucks are a little bit of a disruptor. Cause I really enjoy some good food truck, but oh, uh, you look at me, you know, I like to eat. Yeah, right. So, uh, so for us uh, to kind of steal that term, um, we wanted to be a disruptor for the IT services business. Keep in mind early. I said that most organizations hire a company like us, like they would a CPA firm or a law firm. And if you think of those firms, Patrick, they're, they're running a meter, they're building per hour you know does think of it does a lawyer really want your case to settle only if they're you know a big uh plaintiff's attorney who gets a piece of the pie but the guy's defending you he loves the, this case just to continue because the meter's running and he's running up a bunch of legal bills right so what i seen in the business that we sold in 2006 that industry was a bill per hour type industry so as an owner of a bill per hour type industry, you actually hoped that your clients would get, you know, a major server outage or an or a virus or a ransomware or something bad would happen because you're billing per hour. Sure. Right. So when we started the solutions team, I said that is really a bad model. Uh, a better model would be if we could come in and disrupt and be in a situation where we offer our clients a flat fee. So based on the number of computers or employees that they have, basically I'm the IT expert, right? So I should know all the things that you, Patrick, should do in your business technologically to make sure the systems are up and running. So I should have some skin in that game to say to you, I'm going to charge you X dollars per month and I'm just going to handle everything. And in that regards, we're a business disruptor because we actually make a profit when our clients do not have a computer problem. So now all the skin is in on our side where we're doing all these things proactively to keep your organization and keep your practice from having a computer problem or having a cybersecurity attack where our competition often we see, cause we're, we've got at least one client in 40 States now, Patrick. And so we see across the nation, a lot of different variables of how some companies, it companies are marketing to specialty dentist groups. They're, they're basically offering, we're going to charge you so much per month, but then there's kind of some fine print, which you and I both said, we like integrity, we like people just shoot straight with us. And so the fine print stuff is what really gets me. The fine print then comes and says, well, if I have to come on site, then that's going to be additional. If, uh, if you want to call me at 515, you know, even though I'm still at the office, I'm going to charge you time and a half. Or if you buy equipment and you want me to actually install it, I'm going to charge you project fees. So sometimes our practice administrators and our, our dental specialty customers come back and say, well, I've got a flat rate per month deal with my existing IT company. 
And then you say, well, let's run the numbers of what you spent with them. And they sell us that, oh, I spend 500 a month. And then they pull their invoices and they've spent 10 grand. Well, you know, I went to public school in Georgia and 500 times 12 looks a lot like 6,000, not 10,000. So I'm trying to figure out where the other 4,000 came from. It's because they had all these fees. So it's in that fine print of the agreement that these administrators and these doctors are not really understanding what they've got. So ours is real simple. It's a, it's a fixed fee model based on computers or employees or locations. And our clients, you know, our goal is that they don't have any computer problems. The biggest challenge that's presented for me as a CEO is, uh, you know, as the, as the relationship progresses a year, two years into the deal, the business owner will come back and say, Todd, I just don't think we need you guys anymore. We're not having computer problems anymore. You know, we're spending money, we, but we don't have computer problems. I have to remind them that means that we're doing our job because mm-hmm. we're preventing you from having computer problems. All right. I don't want any issues. And I don't, you know, as a business owner, I would like to think that I am fairly adept and uh, good, uh, efficient, and effective at what I do. Uh, I am not an IT uh, professional. I don't want to have to worry about IT. I want my IT to work and I don't want to have to worry about it. And if it doesn't work, Hey, stuff breaks. I just want to be able to say, Hey, look, this happened and then fix it. I don't need the whole like play by play on it. I actually don't want to know. And it's going to go in one ear and right out the other. I'm not going to remember it. I just want it to work, make the printer work. Right. Make, right. make sure my team is not down. Um, and I think for the clients, since this is dental business radio, the dentist and, and you know, they want to, they have uh, fillings and crowns to do and the dental assistants have to do that. And they don't have it folks either. Right. And they want the front desk up there and none of us can afford the downtime. Right. Uh, and so that's one thing that I like about your model as well is that you're taking on the risk and you're providing a bit of a, you know, I'm from large corporate, right. Uh, so I'm from the insurance industry for all of our listeners. If this is your first show, um, yes, I am from the insurance industry. Boo. Yeah. Throw tomatoes. It's cool. All right. I still go to church. I got kids. Um, <clears throat> and I'm a fairly good person on most days. So not evil, uh, Jordan, shout out to Jordan. Um, anyways, um, what am I talking about from the insurance industry? So in the insurance industry, you have a CTO, right? You not just a CTO, you have a whole department. Right. right. And you just, boom, you ask and like this, there's somebody that's looking out for that stuff all the time in a small business. You don't have that. Um, and so what we were missing, you know, quite frankly, and I probably a lot of people that are listening to this is having somebody that's saying, look, what are you guys trying to do here? Whether it's servers, whether it's no servers, whether you're in a Microsoft environment, whether you're not in a Microsoft environment, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? And then, provide enlightening us on how to make sure that we do that without stepping into the metaphorical pile of mess. You know, that's a, that's a good point, Patrick, because quite often, you know, this day and age, you, you've got Google, you've got access to the internet. I mean, I, I remember when the internet first came around and everything's correct on the internet and uh, everything, right. Yeah. And if it's on the internet, it's absolutely true. You know, especially social media. If somebody put it on Facebook, it's, I'm, that's a joke for all the listeners. That's that's a joke. Um, <laughs> Do not get all your news from Facebook. Don't get any of your news from Facebook uh, or Ray. TikTok. Uh, yeah, John Ray. So uh, you know the the thing that's uh, interesting is we now have an educated consumer uh, that is going to probably research some stuff, right? But you know, if I'm going to go have a root canal, or I'm going to get an implant, or I'm going to go and 
and and visit with a a specialty issue around say my teeth, then I can Google all day long. But at the end of the day, I got to trust my my doctor, my oral surgeon, my endo, my my specialty dentistry. I got to trust them because they went to school. I spent two minutes on Google, so I don't really have much of a say in that. Or at least I'm sure not going to diagnose myself, even though I see people self-diagnose computer issues all the time. So so that's where see, we... I think health issues always end up in you have cancer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the last thing is there. This could be cancer, right? So... Uh, what what I uh, what I hope we bring to the table uh, for and and I tell you know anyone doing business with us I don't want to be a vendor right I, I don't want to just be somebody that you cut a purchase order to or a check to I want to be a strategic partner I know what we know as a company and I, and we understand what it is that we're good at so we want to be at the table when you're looking at new technology uh, I'll give you a, a, a case in point we had a customer recently in the southeast. Uh, that was a general dentist, fantastic general dentist, had a vendor come in and talk to them about a new scanner. Uh, so those of us, when we hear scanner that's not in the industry, we're probably thinking like a check scanner or something. We're scanning a business card or whatnot. Well, scan snap. Scan snap for me. For, yeah. yeah. So expense reports, you know, receipts, all those things. Well, it, the reality, this was not a scanner. This was an x-ray device. But the dentist would continue to refer to it as a scanner. So what happened, Patrick, was he called us up and said, hey, look, I need y'all to get my scanner on the network. And he had been a client for two years. And uh, so our support team's trying to work with him only to find out that it was like an X-ray device. It wasn't a traditional driver's license credit card scanner. And uh, so he had bought this for $30,000. And uh, we, we get in there, we start troubleshooting it, and it worked fine. The problem was none of his computers could pull up the X-ray. Because it was such a high definition scanner, and it was basically a, a device attached to a laptop, he could get from room to room. And uh, when he would try to pull up the images on the other computers, the computers didn't have a large enough memory card on their video, mm. so he couldn't bring up the X-rays. So fortunately, we were able to work with the manufacturer, get him a refund. But those—that's a scenario where we ask him, "Hey, look, in the future, you know, bring us in. We'll help guide and consult you through that process." Because what ended up happening was he'd spent thirty grand and didn't do enough to investigation to understand his computers and his monitors couldn't handle the image that that scan was going to pull up. So mm-hmm. we do like to sit down with that business owner and understand what is it you're trying to accomplish. Let's don't get into is Google and uh, Google Suite better than or Google Workspace better than Microsoft three sixty five or is Dell better than IBM. Let's let's talk about what it is you're trying to accomplish, and then once we determine what you're trying to accomplish, we like to say there's a lot of ways you can get from point A to point B. We're going to help guide you down the right path. Gotcha. That's a really interesting um, example because uh, the graphics cards and you know all of the folks that have machines. That's been my observation. And this is just anecdotal, by the way. I don't have empirical evidence, but uh, I have heard many times from clients from the front desk people that the, the, their machines are older. And, you know, older machines, and then you had the chip shortage for five minutes or whatever, six months. While I- Which is still amazing to me. How in the world do we have one place in some, you know, Asian country that made the chips for every computer for a car to the phone to the... Patrick, we're in the wrong business. We need to get in that chip business. Well, Joe Biden is trying to give us money to do that. Oh, Uncle Joe. All right. Do you remember he's trying to give us money for that? That doesn't matter. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> just a joke. Yeah, but just joking. Let's go back to your business model now. In the insurance business, we call this capitation. Um, it's actually where you are giving a provider a certain amount, or it's also these days, instead of going into a capitation type model, um, they're calling it um, uh, value-based, value-based pricing, which is the same sort of thing. You're getting paid based on outcome and you have skin in the game. So then you get bonus sort of if they have, if they're healthier, as opposed to having sick patients. If they're sick, then they always need stuff and you're operating in a fee for service environment. So you don't care if they get sick or you just keep billing, 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 you know, in a HMO or, or in a value type environment, the theory is, and this is for my insurance folks that are listening for the show, right? And they know this. Um, the theory is that you're going to provide a set amount and then you are going to allow that dollar doctor to then care for their population and, and give them incentive. So the less sick that they are, the less that they're going to need to come into the office. This has been the theory uh, behind uh, your HMO EPO models. And so um, basically Todd is bringing that model here into the um, IT space. Um, so if there's any smaller insurance companies, he does more than just dental practices. He's got like the state of North Carolina or something. Yeah. So we, uh, we just recently picked up a, a contract with the group in the state of North Carolina where we manage their um, behavioral health. Uh, so they have a system running in uh, one of the big three, uh, the big three cloud providers, which I would say is Microsoft Azure, Amazon, AWS, and then Google has product and, not to give too much about that particular group, but we manage those servers for them, and we also manage their cybersecurity. You know, and interesting enough, uh, I don't know if you've read the news, Aspen Dental uh, has been dealing with a huge ransomware outbreak over the last few weeks. And uh, and, and and one of the things that, uh, because we're in 40 states, uh, we have groups in, you know, Atlanta, Dallas, the big cities, and then we have groups in Tupelo, Mississippi, or, you know, you know small, small towns. So the, the interesting thing is when I do talk to those providers in those uh, groups in those smaller areas, one of the first things they'll say to me is, well, we're in Oxford, Mississippi. Who would want to hack into us? And so they're not, uh, fortunately, Patrick, they're not taking the cybersecurity risk uh, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they believe because they're in a smaller town uh, or a smaller community, they're probably, you know, not as at risk as they are if they were in a bigger town. And and I would say totally the opposite of that. Right. right. Yeah. So, so the, the tools and technology are out there that, that your daughter to, you know, a, a child in the, in middle school could easily download the right tools with some computer skills. And let's face it, you know, our kids are, are smarter about us about iPhones than you and I are, Patrick. I mean, they know what all this thing can do. And, uh, so all that to say, uh, that's a big, um, that's a big issue with, uh, providers is they live in this false sense of hope that they're in a small area who would want to get to them. They're a one doc prac, that kind of deal. And the reality of it is, is you're probably an easier target than, you know, a massive health system that's out there, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at Aspen Dental, they're huge. I mean, if they got into Aspen Dental, what could they do to a small group? So part of one of the services that we provide to our clients is security awareness so that their staff knows not to click on certain things. Uh, so we do some dark web monitoring to let them know if there's anything about their business on the dark web and measures they need to take to protect that. 
And then in addition to that, we have a complete security operations center. We call SOC, where we're actually monitoring and managing a lot of those things. So at the end of the day, we're actively involved in the security risk are growing exponentially. But think of poor Aspen Dental. You know, I read a story just last night trying to figure out where it was at. Has, has it been solved at this point? And in that article, Aspen, I think, is on the record of saying that we're still open for business and we're still seeing patients. And as a technology guy, I'm asking myself, well, if they can't get into their software, right, how do they know exactly what the history of my mouth is? What, how do they know if I'm allergic to some sort of a medication or some stuff they may be, you know, treating me with, right? And so while I don't disagree that Aspen's probably still seeing patients, I would say they're crippled in their ability to actively and correctly visit their patient. I mean, can they do hygiene? Sure. But can they do some sort of major procedure? I would dare to say probably risky on their part if they are not to encourage any attorneys out there. But at the end of the day, it's a situation where I do believe that you, you know, they're limited because they don't have access to that historical data about Todd or Patrick or whoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, One of my, I'd say that, just because you're paranoid don't mean they're not after you. So I am overly careful. Uh, personally, I think I take it very seriously. I was reading an article the other day that I spent a ton of time on it, but like 80% of this stuff is still the old fashioned tricking a person. Oh, absolutely. Right. So it's just, it's somebody seeing something and clicking on the wrong thing as opposed to some brute hack on your security force. Right. And so the best way to, you know, or a very effective way that needs to be to help protect your entire, you know, operation. And for us, it's, it's very important, right? We take security very seriously. Um, is in, in, as do I think all of our clients with HIPAA, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you got to make sure the people are trained, man, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to make sure that people uh, understand, you know, the risk and, and understand how to look. Because these guys are, you know, it's so funny, Patrick, because when people have this stuff happen, the first thing they think is, let me call my local uh, law enforcement. Let me contact my state attorney general. Let me contact the FBI. Well, the FBI is not even going to take your call unless you can prove $10,000 in real financial loss. Not, oh, I had, you know, 25 people that couldn't work for a week and I need to calculate their payroll. No, you got to prove at least $10,000 worth of real money has gone. And then they'll at least take your call. But that don't mean they're going to do anything with it. Because what most don't understand is these attacks are coming from third world countries. There's a country, I apologize, Patrick, I don't remember their name or the name of the country. But effectively, their number one export is hacking that is how the whole country's economy. Now it's not it's prob- huge probably economy. best that we don't mention them anyway. Probably, yeah, probably best we don't <laughs> mention them. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know that is where they make their revenue. So the FBI, the Secret Service, the CIA has no jurisdiction in those countries. So what are you going to do, right? And and the other thing that's really scary, and it's been a hot topic for us. I'm doing a presentation in a few weeks about this. Is cybersecurity insurance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know in, in your community, your business, my, you and I have very similar, in some cases we have the same clients. Uh, and that being said, uh, you know, there's some insurance companies that are out there and they, ha- they offer cybersecurity insurance. Well, mm-hmm. our, our clients aren't really paying attention to how big the coverage is, how good the policy is. And 
There's been many times that I've talked to providers, to doctors that said, oh, I'm not worried about those HIPAA issues, uh, you know, security and all that stuff because I've got cybersecurity insurance. you crazy. Which is crazy. Which yeah. is crazy. You know, I have full coverage insurance on my automobile, but if I make a bad decision at a bar one night, decide to leave drunk, uh, and I have an accident, you well, know, I mean, my insurance is going to cover my vehicle and potentially the injuries to someone else, but it's not going to cover my attorney's fees or my, or my legal cost or, you know, go to jail for me. Maybe, maybe it will. All right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it will. There's like, that is, can be an exception. In a lot of auto policies actually, but we're not, and I'm not a PNC, effort, uh, you know, expert. I would, I am a health and life insurance expert or you know at least i'm a licensed professional um but i'm not in pnc but that that is one of the things in property casualty um is the fine print that's where in also in hipaa if you have a hipaa breach what happens you have to let every single person know that there's a hipaa breach so you are going to have to send letters to all of your patients saying we we effed up Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and now who has your your information beats beats us. But we called we called the you know the Federal Bureau of Inst- uh, you know we called the FBI and the FBI uh, <clears throat> we left a message and uh, they said they call us back soon. And so, but you know this is when the trust is very very important, and you built your trust and your rapport and you established a reputation in your community. You don't want to have to send out those letters, and I don't care what kind of. I, you tell me if there's some sort of cyber policy that helps you not have to do that because that's the law. Well, your reputation, right? Your genie in the bottle and in, in the bottle situation, right? Once you once you let it out, you're you got a problem. And if I'm in, you know, if I'm in Conway, Arkansas, and I have to put an ad in a paper that my systems were exposed and then, you know, the way the, the laws and, and mitigation, and that's the reason you got to have the right IT company, right? Cause if they don't even know the process of how to investigate and how to mitigate. And the first thing they tell you to do is just shut everything down. Well, the moment you start shutting computers and network infrastructure down, you erase all the logs. So equivalent, you clean the house before you, before the cops got there to do the investigation for the robbery. You went through the house because you powered off everything. So there goes all the evidence gathering, right? So if you have the wrong IT company and they don't know how to do that, then now you've got a problem. Fortunately or unfortunately, we understand how to do that. Our security team has worked with the FBI to actually track down a hacker that wasn't, it wasn't a client of ours. We were brought in. The hacker was still in credit cards. And so our guys got in and we started gathering the evidence, provided it to the FBI. So you want to make sure you hire. That's my, I guess the closest I'm going to get to a sales pitch today, but you want to make sure you hire the right guys. But all that to say, you know, I'm in Conway. I've been exposed. Now I put an ad in the paper and now I send the letters out to all of my, what's the cost of the stamp, the letter, the, the labor to get the letters out to everybody. And then in some cases I got to provide life lot for two years, but then in a small community like that, Patrick, I don't want to go see Dr. Feelgood because, you know, he don't protect my data. So I'm going to go to that new doctor that just came into town and see if he can do better by my data. Right. You can't recover the reputation. And mm-hmm. and that's something that we all work hard. I know you've worked hard. I've worked hard. I want to be a man of integrity and character and morals, and I'm not going to do anything to to jeopardize that. So at the end of the day, you know, any business out there has got a reputation. You want to protect it, right? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, with that, I know you've been speaking a lot and, uh, I saw you again down in Sobsa and, uh, it looked like you were very well received and nobody threw any tomatoes and I uh, heard some applause. Um, where else are you speaking this year? 
So I'm speaking uh, at Ascent, which is the national ENT group. Uh, I'm speaking to their their conference in Chicago in, I think, August. Uh, and then uh, I think you and I are on the same platform for the Georgia Dental Association that's coming up. Uh, their conference is coming up, uh, is it September? I think uh, uh, I think the, we're both speaking. At they that have one. the fall summit. I'm doing George Dental Association summer, maybe fall. It's tough because that's right immediately after Amos. Yep. And so I'm at, you know, I'll be speaking at Amos this year and uh, talking about, you know, dental insurance trends that affect your money. Um, so for any oral surgeons that are here, uh, a lot of times, you know, they will send, I think your practice manager should be there, but you know, you should be there because it's your money. Um, and that's what I talk about a lot. Everybody's like, Oh, insurance, that sounds boring, but it's really about like your money. That's what I turn it into. Um, and, uh, I got some good feedback. I had a good time down there at SOMSA. Um, also courtesy to you. Thanks for sponsoring that boat. That was cool. Oh man, that was a that was a great time, and that's uh, I'm glad you brought up Psalms because uh, actually I I had forgot I'm I'm doing a webinar uh, in a couple of days with Psalmsa, and uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the dark web and how to protect yourself in that webinar. So, I, I, like you, Patrick, anytime I speak, I want it to be educational. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, one of the feedbacks I got from the Psalmsa event was uh, one of the attendees came up to me after the event and said. Uh, hey, what is it that you actually do? Because you never <laughs> told us what your company does. You were too busy telling us, uh, giving us uh, some feedback on whether we should move to the cloud or not. So, uh, so yeah, um, that's uh, that's one thing I always try to do anytime I get asked to speak is make sure that we're providing good, valuable content. Amen. Uh, that's the uh, same thing. I, I forgot that question. It's kind of I'm almost like, oh, well, I should say that. Um, that's why I do say at the end, uh, I am founder and CEO of, practice quotient PPO analysis and negotiation. That's what my day job is, but I also enjoy speaking, educating, because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and so I would like to thank Todd Gooden. I'd like to thank my daughter coming in. And I would also like to thank the lovely Mrs. Gooden and DJ John Ray, as always. Uh, he is the Anthony Kiedis to my Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now the flea. Flee the red hot ch- to my red hot chili peppers. That's what we're going to do. Um, he likes to jump around and I was going to say, Flea was the guy that jumped around a lot. Yeah, yeah. He likes to jump around a lot in a diaper and play bass. Yeah, well, that's yeah. definitely John Ray. That's John Ray. Yeah, yeah. I could sure. see that. I could see that. Yeah. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to thank you, Todd, for coming all the way from Mississippi to be on the show. It's really an honor. I learned a lot on this show. Did you have fun? I had a great time. All right. I had a great time. Would love to do it again. Well, so if our listeners out there, they want to get in touch with you and your team, how do they do that? Perfect. So uh, you can obviously get on the, the interweb, as uh, the guy off of Fast and Loud says, <laughs> uh, the internet. Uh, and you can uh, you can find us at uh, www.thesolutionsteaminc.com. The, T-H-E, solutions is plural, team, like baseball team, inc.com. Or you can call us at 877-629-1257. I learned a trick with that, Patrick. They say if you write it you know, in the air, because I hate when people give me their phone number and it's so fast. I, mm-hmm. I got to pay that again. So 877-629-1257 or thesolutionsteaminc.com. Very good. Well, uh, thank you again, Todd. I appreciate you and everybody out there in listener land. I appreciate y'all for listening. Until next time.